welcome to Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Vlakis and I'm an expert certified fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist, a multiple award-winning virtual fertility and pregnancy nutrition clinic serving thousands from around the world and of course, the host of this pod, Fertility Friendly Food. This podcast is dedicated to all things health and nutrition in the world of fertility, reproductive health, and pregnancy. Each week, I bring you practical snack size episodes to help improve your lifestyle on your trying to conceive journey, alongside guest expert interviews to help inspire you to learn and grow whilst you grow your family. currently trying to conceive or are you on a fertility journey? If so, you can feel like there are 101 things you could or should be doing when it comes to your preconception or fertility health. It's easy to get overwhelmed really quickly. This is exactly why we created our preconception lifestyle checklist. It's one page for you and one page for your partner categorized into supplements, diet, lifestyle and environmental factors and we focus on the low-hanging fruit. These are simple but effective strategies known to help improve your health and well-being for fertility and also for a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby too. Over 5,000 people have downloaded it already. Do you want your free copy too? Head to the link in the show notes now to swipe your free checklist. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back. I am back with another solo episode today, and this is one of my favorite topics to talk about, which is all about the intergenerational impact of nutrition based on what you are eating before and during pregnancy to not only you and your little one, but also their potential children too. That's right, your potential future grandchildren. Whether you're trying to conceive for the first time or you've been on a long path to growing your family, this episode is relevant to literally everybody. In fact, this stuff is considered a top public health priority by the WHO. So important stuff lies ahead. Listen in because I know what I'm about to share has blown many people's minds before and I can't wait to blow yours a little too to be honest. So before we get into today's episode, as always, let's get stuck into our community question. Don't forget, you can leave us a question anytime using the simple 30 second question form, which is always linked in the show notes for you. Or you can send us a voice memo on Instagram at the underscore dietologist. So today's question is, how can nutrition be optimized to reduce the risk of preterm labor? This is a great question with a variety of complex answers, to be honest. So I guess the question is, what is your baseline risk of preterm labor? Have you had a preterm labor and delivery before? So that would automatically kind of increase your risk of that. And why did that occur? Was it because of a cervical uh, issue? Was it because of a placental issue? Was it because of something else, preeclampsia, for example. I mean, there's lots of different reasons why preterm labor can occur. And sometimes we also just don't know. So that can be a really tricky one. But my top tip is besides 
finding out what is your risk and and why, uh, which would allow us to like customize our suggestions accordingly. My number one tip would be to improve your omega-3 status before and during pregnancy. Omega-3 status being low, so blood levels of omega-3 being low before and in pregnancy is linked to a higher risk of early labor, preterm labor and delivery. So we generally are looking at making sure that people eating enough oily fish and or fish oil supplementation or for our vegan vegetarian clients, algae oil. We are doing that pretty much universally across the board because we don't know who may be at risk at preterm labor in the early stages of pregnancy or preconception um, who haven't had a history of that before. Now, obviously, it doesn't matter how many omega-3s you eat. If you have a cervical issue, for example, that's not going to fix it, but it may be something else that's going on that could be involved with that omega-3 status and other reasons why preterm labor can kick off. The other thing that I would also be looking at is making sure that the vaginal microbiota is also optimized. And we have a whole episode about the vaginal microbiome as well. So I will leave that link for you in the show notes. All the best for any upcoming future pregnancies. Hope you get to cook your baby for as long as possible, as healthily possible for the next time around. On to today's episode, I want to make this one nice and short and sharp and sweet like the oldie times where you used to listen to like a 10 minute episode from me. So I'm going to make it punchy so I can give you the important facts in the shortest amount of time possible. Alrighty, let's dive on in. So the first 1000 days of life start before conception, about three to six months prior to conception, in fact, which captures the life cycle of the sperm being about 60 to 75 days in which they regenerate. And whilst for females, we are born with all the eggs we will ever have, the last 90 to 120 days or so prior to that egg being released via ovulation seem to be the most critical for influencing the fluid that surrounds the egg. That's called the follicular fluid. And the contents of that follicular fluid can influence the health of the egg. This then stretches out into pregnancy and up to your child's second birthday. So from three to six months prior to conception up to your child's second birthday, all inclusive is considered the first 1000 days of life. This time frame seems to be the most critical in setting up your little one's long-term health thanks to something called epigenetics. Epigenetics is the term used to describe how environmental factors can affect the expression of genes in your baby's body. We can't change the actual DNA code you or your conception partner are imparting to your bub, but you can change the way that they are expressed, almost like little light switches on the DNA code. And what can flick the switches can come down to lifestyle, especially your diet. This is also sometimes called fetal genetic programming. Epigenetics is understood to be the reason behind why preconception and pregnancy nutrition can impact the health of your baby well after they are born. Yes, well into adulthood. We saw this phenomenon with the Dutch famine study, which occurred in 1944 to 1945 over the winter in German-occupied Netherlands, towards the end of World War II. 
where access to food was restricted and rations were offered starting at 1,000 calories per day equivalent and typically in the form of root vegetables. And then this further declined to just 400 to 800 calories per day, which is, oh, like less than a quarter of what somebody needs to be just well-nourished at baseline, let alone pregnant women who have increased energy demands, particularly in those second and third trimesters. This historical famine served as a key accidental and devastating demonstration of the impact of famine and inadequate nutrition and food at various stages of gestation and how that then impacted the next generation. They looked at the health of their children. The cohort contained almost 2,500 people who were exposed to the famine at any stage of pregnancy and interesting results were found. So if a pregnant woman was exposed to famine at any point in her pregnancy, their children were much more likely to have glucose intolerance or insulin resistance in adulthood. This was particularly seen in the children when they got to about the age of 50. So you can see it is 50 years after they've been born and more than 50 years since they were exposed to famine in utero that we are seeing an association with a clinical outcome like this. Now, obviously, insulin resistance increases the risk of type 2 diabetes developing and the associated complications and health risks with that. So that's really, really interesting. This study also showed higher rates of high cholesterol and coronary heart disease, hypersensitivity to stress, and higher rates of obesity in the children whose mothers were exposed to undernutrition in the earlier parts of the pregnancy. Whereas those mothers who were exposed to the famine mid-gestation their children were more likely to have an obstructive airway disease similar to asthma. So here's the thing, our DNA, our genetic code can change, but it takes time, it takes generations. We wouldn't see this instant effect into the next generation, but the way that the DNA is expressed can change really quickly. And that is a result of environmental exposures, Diet, stress, sleep, exercise, body fat levels, environmental exposures like endocrine disruptors, and more. And do you want to know what the word-for-word conclusion of the Dutch famine study was? Adequate dietary advice to women before and during pregnancy seems a promising strategy in preventing chronic diseases in future generations. Voila, probably that key statement is what led to my career to date. So whilst the Dutch famine was obviously horrible, it has definitely taught us all so, so much. I think another thing to note, which probably does surprise some of you listening for sure, is that about 50% of pregnancies, even to this day, are considered unplanned. Preparing well before you're actively trying is really super sensible and needed. We need to be thinking about this before actually thinking about trying to conceive. We need to be prioritizing our nutrition, our health and well-being, you know, in the years leading up to potentially becoming a parent. Now, you're probably listening to this because you're a planner, but just FYI, 
This is for everybody at any stage, really. So even if you're many years away from trying to conceive, it's important to heed the advice. Okay, that is a quick snapshot of the impact to your bub, not to mention all the role modeling once they're here of a positive relationship with food, movement, and your body. But I haven't really touched on the grandchildren part of the equation. Well, for those of you who go on to conceive a little girl, her little ovaries will form inside your uterus, in utero, and be full of eggs at around 20 weeks pregnant. And that is the time when she will have the most eggs ever. And even by the time she's born, some of them would have been lost. And by the time she hits puberty, uh, some will be lost again. So if we don't just ovulate out all of our eggs, remember. And as life goes on, we have fewer and fewer eggs. uh, And until we reach menopause, where we almost have very few left. So to put that into perspective, 50% of your future grandchildren are being carried around from around halfway through your pregnancy. I'm just going to take a moment here so I can hear all of your minds exploding right now. Yes, if you are carrying a little girl, you are carrying three generations potentially at the one time. Yourself, your daughter, and 50% of your future grandchild. Now, for the future boy mamas, it's a little bit different. As I said, sperm generation has a much shorter timeline. Remember, it takes about a couple months or so. But a random little fact, but important one, is being vigilant about checking for the descent of the testicles in early childhood. Uh, It's a really important but often not spoken enough about part of fertility preservation for their future fertility too. Um, I've seen many male clients who uh, perhaps an undescended testicle wasn't picked up or wasn't treated uh, promptly, not for not anybody's fault, but that can have a, quite a significant impact on sperm health and sperm health parameters. So if you do have a little boy, check in with your maternal child health nurse, pediatrician or GP if you have concerns on that front. Yes, your diet and your lifestyle before and during pregnancy appears to be pretty important to your health, your baby's health, and your potentially your future grandbaby's health too. So make it a priority. If you want to learn more about this topic, check out some of the key episodes from season one and also some of our blog articles, which we will leave linked all in the show notes for you to absorb all the good information. And if you want some hands-on help with your preconception diet and lifestyle, book in for a deep dive for you and your partner with our two-hour fertility nutrition intensive with an expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and walk away with a practical plan to change your diet and lifestyle for your future family and you can just feel so much more confident and at ease that you are doing the best you can for yourself and your future little one. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to hit follow on your favorite podcast streaming platform and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This makes the world of difference to our podcast and probably takes you five seconds. So If you could take a moment and just flick on over to the app and leave us a rating, I would be so truly grateful. Don't forget to share it with a 
friend, family member, colleague, or your partner, or if you love to share these types of things to your social media, on your stories, tag us. We love to see it. And until next time, everyone. Bye. Just quickly, are you currently trying to conceive or are you on a fertility journey? If so, you can feel like there are 101 things you could or should be doing when it comes to your preconception or fertility health. It's easy to get overwhelmed really quickly. This is exactly why we created our preconception lifestyle checklist. It's one page for you and one page for your partner, categorized into supplements, diet, lifestyle and environmental factors, and we focus on the low-hanging fruit. These are simple but effective strategies known to help improve your health and well-being for fertility and also for a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby too. Over 5,000 people have downloaded it already. Do you want your free copy too? Head to the link in the show notes now to swipe your free checklist. Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast, acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connections to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to First Nation cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all First Nations people tuning in today. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation.